Shimon Cook grew up in Richmond, Virginia. As an escape from the drugs and violence in his neighborhood, he began rapping and cultivating himself as an artist. When he got recognized at a rap battle in New York, Shimon was connected with industry superstars like T.I., Young Dro, Rick Ross, and more. Today, Shimon goes by Beat Billionaire. He's produced many of the hits you hear coming out of Maybach Music Group, including Purple Lamborghini by Rick Ross. That song was featured in the blockbuster film Suicide Squad and got him a Grammy nomination. Beat Billionaire joins us to talk about how he went from selling drugs in his hometown to being a premier producer with Rock Nation on this episode of The Big Break. Originally, I'm from Richmond, Virginia. I grew up in an apartment complex called Chippenham Apartments. It was like a rough lifestyle growing up. I hate to, I hate to kind of like talk about it as much, but you know, it, it's like you know, people some people brag on that type of lifestyle. Oh, I was this, I sold this, I sold that, but I currently don't even like to even talk about it. But you know, people would think producers come with a silver spoon in their mouth or a golden spoon, but I come from a place where it's, it's nothing like that. Like, you know, I sold drugs at the age of 12 years old, all the way up until I was 21. God just had a plan for me to 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 make it out. And it's like with music, it was always my my thing. I was always the rapper from the neighborhood. I was always the, the creative dude, the dude that knew how to draw, the dude knew how to flip, the dude knew how to flip it, fix everything. I knew how to DJ. I knew how to, knew how to do everything at the age of probably like eight years old. But, you know, I got guided on things that was happening outside of my door or outside of my window. But I was the one that was like gifted and blessed because I could I had two options, either being dead or in jail. But God didn't have that route for me. He gave me a route that, you know, that's a blessing coming from where I come from. It's amazing to to even be able to sit here and talk about it and do the things that I'm doing. You know, because even with producing, producing wasn't my thing. I I didn't even know how to produce. Like I didn't know no notes, none of that. It was just like a a feeling He gave me. Like I think it felt like it, to this day, it's like He jumped in my body and just created music on 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 through me. And then be like, sometimes I step back and be like, wow, did I, how did I do this? Like, you know, and I just realized I know it's him because it ain't nobody else. Cause it damn sure ain't me. But that'd be the hard part. You know what I mean? That, that'd be the, the part that'd be just how my mind going crazy. So what kind of music did you grow up uh, listening to and, and experimenting with? The um, music I grew up to was like Jada Kiss, Nas, DMX, Jay-Z, Biggie, um, you know, we got Pac in there too, but I grew up on those type of things and the Missy Elliott's, the Timberlands, the Pharrell's and stuff like that, you know, I got an old soul too, you know what I mean, Patty the Bell and all of them, and they, they in there too, so, you know what I mean, but I, I just, <laughs> I grew up on those type of things. Would you say that kind of influenced you, um, like listening to those those people and to kind of getting into music yourself? Yeah, Jay-Z really influenced me. That was my favorite rapper, but like what really influenced me too was seeing Virginia on the map and that was like Missy and Timberland and Devontae and all of them. You know what I mean? And uh seeing Teddy Riley come come to Virginia and do what he do. So, you know, he he's a Virginia native to me too. But like seeing that, it made me know that I can do it. Gotcha. So you you're kinda of growing up in this pretty rough upbringing and uh, you know, doing stuff to get by. Yeah. 
So did you kind of get uh, you get into music just kind of as an escape to that? Did you see that as your route out? Yeah, yeah, yep. It's uh, it was it was it was um, it was like I knew it was a well, I couldn't even. It was at first it was just a thing. Like music was just a thing. Like because you never would think you would make it. Like you'll never coming from Richmond, you'll never think you'll make it. It's like you, you, you selling crack rock, or you got a wicked jump shot. You know what I'm saying? To make it out mm-hmm. the hood, you know what I mean? You're easily you're easily going be a basketball player or something like that, but it won't be no rapper. It was like, to make it out, people ain't never believe you make it in the music industry from Richmond, period. You know what I'm saying? The only person that ever made it out was like, what, D'Angelo and stuff like that. But, mm-hmm. but for me to be the second one out of that, you know what I mean? Like years later to do the same thing he did kind of on a different scale. It was like, I still don't believe it. <laughs> I can't even, I still don't believe it. Even, what 14 15 years now i still don't believe it you started originally with rapping and you weren't really producing and you just kind of um were making beats for yourself right yeah i did how can i say it i was rapping at first then um i got discovered by paris Smith from epmd he discovered me as a rapper and then you know i moved to atlanta he introduced me to ti and i met them and you know they was they was fans of my rapping like it was just but I was just too lyrical for the the the, the culture that was going on like the snap music and all that I was just too lyrical for that type of thing so I just started messing with the beats and when I was messing with the beats and the, the and that, the thing was when I was rapping on the beats they would always ask me who doing these beats and the whole time it's me mm. I'm not thinking they be, you know I'm just rapping over beats because I ain't had nobody to give me no beats at the time. So I had to make my own beats, and um, everybody was like, man, you dope, but who doing the beats? And that's when I just like, okay, cool. I started messing around with the beats more more than than uh, rapping. You said you got discovered by Paris Smith, so how did that happen? Can you go, like, rewind a little bit? and Because uh, it seems like that's a pretty pretty big step to take. Yeah, yeah. Um, it was um, a homie at the time. You know, I was... He had won a battle. I was the, you know, the the money man. It was rapping and selling drugs, so basically I was the money man. So he needed a way to New York, and um, I paid his way up there. I I went with him, and um, Parrish heard me rapping, was like, "Yo, hold on, I need you too." <laughs> so um, you know, I was just doing a favor, man. I that's I just think that's the blessing God gave me, just doing because I always is a person that always give, 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 and do favors. And when I seen that he had an opportunity to, to make it, and then hell, I I made it with him. Did you do that often, going up to to New York and stuff for battles? No, nah, not really. No, nah. the only time I go to New York is like with family. My family, my my mother's side of the family from the Bronx, so I go. You know, I was familiar with New York a lot. But I was just going up there for family visits and stuff like that, but not music. I was going to New York for other things too. But <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I got you. So I mean, what was that like? It was that was that a big change for you moving to Atlanta from Richmond? Yeah. Now you got to think about moving from from Atlanta to New York, then Richmond. I mean, I'm from 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 Richmond to New York, then Atlanta. Yeah. So so I stayed up there with Paris for like two three years. Moved moved to the A. You know what I mean? And, um. It was a big jump, you know, because it was like you go from you go make from you can make five thousand dollars in the next hour to making nothing, 
you know what I mean? Going from that lifestyle to it's completely zero and just changing your whole, adapting to something different, totally different. You know what I mean? Having a daughter and stuff like that, it's like you got to change your mindset. And it, I didn't want to do it no more. So I was just like, I'm like, fuck, I'm going to just have to push through, push through, push through. And I just kept kept the faith and I kept the faith and, and it, it really opened the door. Yeah. And, and what year was that that you moved to Atlanta? I moved to Atlanta in 2000, I think it was three. Oh, okay. So you mm-hmm. move to Atlanta, like, and you get linked up with TI and Grand Hustle, like, right at their, the point where they are, are kicking it. Like, they're, they're at the yeah, top, right? Is, yeah, TI was the man. So, I mean, was that kind of surreal for you moving there and then, like, you know, being able to rap with these guys and then moving into kind of production with them? Yeah, it was surreal at first. But the thing was, Dro, the young Joe lived downstairs from me, like, in my apartment. He lived right downstairs. So I used to always, keep, you know, kick with him and stuff like that. And it's like, We'll see each other, you know, we speak, whatever, whatever. And then next thing you know, uh, Mac Boney, the one that really like him and Clay from Grounds, so they actually like took me in. And it was another guy named Mike Lace. They took me in and, and had me there like every single day. Because, you know, I just gave off a vibe. They just knew it was the realness. I came with a realness with me. You know what I mean? Like, it wasn't nothing like nothing fake. That's why I was able to come in and be around those guys. Because, you know, everybody got clicks like that, especially anyone on top of the world. They not let nobody in their circle. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, they just felt the realness, and they just they believed in me. That's nice to to get in with those guys because it seems like you know that's um like that's where you want to be. That seemed that was kind of the epicenter of the of rap culture at least at that time. So you start producing with these guys. Are you making money from music at this point, or is it just kind of uh, you're just kind of doing it and getting by out in, in other ways? Yeah, I was man. I was working. I ain't even gonna lie. At that time, I was working at Toy- Team Toyota. Um, I was detailing cars, making mm-hmm. two hundred fifty every two weeks. <laughs> and, and 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 I still was just trying to chase the dream, chase the dream. I'm like, okay, cool, I'm gonna chase the dream. I know these cats, I'm gonna find my way in some way, somehow. They believe in me, but I'm gonna keep the job. Cause I gotta pay my pay for my daughter her uh, daycare. You know what I'm saying? I was just making sure I had that money for the daycare. You know, because daycare was killing me. But <laughs> but you know, what I'm saying? I, I was just pushing, 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 pushing. Yeah. You know? So you saw the light at the end of the tunnel, then, because you were like, I know I'm in this circle, and I just gotta. I got to bust out working and detailing cars for now, but yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Gotcha. And so you're basically just making beats for these guys and are you getting any, any cuts or you getting any, you know, um, credits on them or all or, or not? No, I was getting credits on them. It was just like, at the time it was like mixtapes. Okay. You know, it was first, it was mixtapes, mixtapes, mixtapes. And I mean, you know, I was really building my name through the mixtape circuit and, um, then I landed the big, big one. With a uh, young Dro and you know, young LA song called Take Off. And that's Take Off, is that, I mean, was that just luck or was that a, a really good song or uh, how'd, that, how'd that all play out? It was actually a real good song. It was just, um, I just had a feeling about the beat and I was like, yo, Dro, you need to check this out. Yeah. And actually, you know, I had a studio, I had a room in the studio. They had gave me a room at Grand Hustle where I could produce my beat set. And um, I just came downstairs, I was like, yo, Dro, check this beat out. He heard it and he was just going in, and that's when I, at the time, I had put an airplane in there at the end of beat to do uh, around my turnaround when the, the, in the end of the four bars. That's when Joe was like, "I'm about to take off." I was like, "Oh shoot, this is like." <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's awesome. So uh, you're working with these guys for a while, um, and eventually you kind of get you get introduced to Rick Ross, right? Yeah, man. Um, right after takeoff, I did freeze me. 
for Young Dro, which was featured T.I. and Gucci Man. Ross had did the remix. He had got on the remix of it. And um, one day, Tip and um, Ross were shooting a video for Pledge of Leads to the Swag, which I didn't even know they were shooting a video. My homie Machelli called me. He was like, yo, man, you need to go down to the video. Ross on your song. You need to go get some more songs with him. And this was at the time he had, I think he had BMF. He was like, bro, you need to, this dude is popping. You need to go down there. So I'm like, all right, cool. So I pull up on him at the shoot. And um, Ross was like, yo, who in there? Fuck made this freeze me beat. <laughs> and T.I. was like, um, my homeboy, man, he did it right here. So I just walked in and they, and they asked me to actually, they actually, if people don't know, I'm the one that's counting the money and the pleasant leading to the swag video when Ross and Tips in at the table. Oh, yeah. So they called me over there to count the money while we talk about, you know, working. So Ross pulled me to the side. was like, yo. He was like, man, listen, bro. He said, I don't, you know, he just told me like, yo, I don't get into between nobody business. But like, you know what I'm saying? You want to give me some more beats, give him some more beats. And um, he was just one day, he was like, man, you signed? I was like, nah, I ain't signed to nobody. He was like, yo, man, I really want you to be over here at Maybach. You know, he's like, I know Grand to your family and shit. Like, you know what I'm saying? But, you know, just let me know. Chop it up with him and let me know. So I, I'm i just looking at this like, oh, shit. Like, Rick Ross want to sign me. <laughs> like, yeah. you, know, you know what I mean? And, um, so with that being said, I, I was like, yo, you know, I'm a lawyer dude, man. I don't, I don't, I don't step on no toes. I don't. You know, my mom's always told me, don't ever put your foot on somebody's back because they're going to put two on yours. It's going to be hard to get up. Hmm. So I always honor the code of, hey, man, uh, speak to people before you just walk away. Hmm. And I went I went to everybody in the camp, um, C-Rod, Country, everybody, Mac Boner. And I told them, I was like, yo, Ross want to give me an opportunity, which I think. They was like, look, man, every bird lead a nest. One day I talked to Tip, and Tip was like, yo, I'll be a coward to try to hold somebody back from feeding their family, bro. Go mm-hmm. do what you got to do. And yeah. that's when that's when I went on head over there to Ron Ross. That's awesome. They're so supportive, even though they were, you know, you're kind of in their camp. Exactly. So at this point, like, do you, how would you, like, rate your, like, kind of familiarity with, like, how the music industry works? Like, because I know a lot of guys get into it and they just don't know. Um, I mean, we talk to a lot of guys here and they don't know, like, they need to have, um, like, someone collecting their, their mechanicals or their um, sync royalties. Like, they just, they don't know any of that stuff and there's stuff out there that they can be getting. So, like, I mean, obviously, you know, like, what, what it means to be signed or whatever. But how familiar were you with, like, the structure of the industry? Because it's super complex. No, it's super duper complex. Um, I, I had a rough spot for like shit about four or five years. I had to hire somebody to come in and fix everything up because I didn't know that it was money there owed to me that was yeah. just sitting. And you know, labels ain't gonna say shit. They'll just let it sit there. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? I, I, shit, I remember I damn near struggled for like four years, and I had songs on the number one songs and everything. I'm just eating off of checks that you know that I, I would get off of upfront money. Like you know, the back end money wasn't coming in. It was just like all upfront money. I was living off all upfront money. And like doing my checks, you know what I'm saying? But the other shit I was not getting, I had to hire somebody to come in and do that. Gotcha. Gotcha. Interesting. Because, yeah, I mean, there's some guys that come in and they, they know everything and they've studied it. And there's some guys, other guys that are, you know, they, they're really good and um, good at music, but they don't know, 
you know, they can't figure out this spider web of, uh, of the industry. Exactly. Um, cool. So, so you get picked up and you get signed to MMG. Walk us through like what happens after that. Shit, six months later, I had what number one song in the country. Well, hold on, no matter of fact, let me start this off first, though. Let me okay. start this off. <laughs> so, I sent Ross a pack of beats. Matter of fact, no, I only sent them two beats. I sent them Yellow Diamonds and I sent them the John Doe beat. And from there, we knew it was something between like us. We was like the Twin Towers. We are, we, we were together at all times. Like, like, we knew we was. D1s, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's that new sound, you know. <clears throat> Once I get in those two beats, it was just like, damn. And then I did, I sent another pack. He flew me to Miami, sent him another pack before I went to Miami. But um, I didn't even know he had did the song. So to this song right here was um, when I got back to uh, Atlanta, he called me. He was like, boy, you going to have a number one hit. I was like, what, what you mean? And this beat was sent by mistake. Like, I put this beat in the folder by mistake. And it was bag of money. I put that because it's an R&B beat. So I put this shit in a folder thinking, um, you know, I was going to get a trace on, but I made a mistake and put it in a folder for Ross. And Ross called me like, yo, boy, you going to have a number one song. I'm telling y'all, like, what you mean? What record? He sent me the joint. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> and then that's when he was like, yo, I'm going to go get T-Pain. T-Pain got on there. That shit just went, man, I was like, oh. The next thing you know, six months later, I had the number one song in the country. Yeah. Man. So it was a mistake that, that led to that, though. Yeah, a super-duper mistake. Like, I did not, <laughs> you know, if you listen to Bag of Money now, you would be like, oh, yeah, that's an RBB. But yeah. it was not for, it was not for Ross. Were you mostly producing um, hip-hop and kind of like that Southern rap, those Southern rap beats, or and then just doing, like, little stuff like that on the side at that yeah, time? Yeah, like, I be doing all type of stuff. I try, I, I tap into anything. Like, for country music, I try to make that shit. Like, I do. <laughs> I just try, to, I try to, I try not to limit myself. Cool. So you get that, and it's out there. Like, what what happens next? Like, what you wake up and you got a number one hit. So what it, what did that feel like? The feeling was like a numb feeling. Like it just was numb. Like I just was, didn't believe it. Everything just started changing around me. You know what I mean? Like the attention started coming more. People started knowing who who I really was. Like people knew who I was, but then I started getting really big to the point where it was like, you know. Coming from the streets, you're nervous. You like you try to, try to. You know what I'm saying? You already paranoid of everything that's around you. But when you start getting into a limelight where people really, really know you, that's when you really get super duper paranoid. And it's like you, you're enjoying it, but you're like on ten at all times. Mm. So, you know so I mean? you, you'd have like random people coming up to you and knowing your name. Yeah, man, I done dealt with so much shit. Like I done dealt with, you know. Just being around Ross, you know, my kids and you know, kids and at the time, like, girl at the time, just, you know, just really, like, everybody getting threatened and shit like that. Like, just, it was threats and all, man. I had to, had to back back from a lot of shit, you know what I mean? Like, just at the time, at the time, it was just, like, too much going on. People, you know, people just jealous. They was jealous and, you know, I just had to move different. But I'm sure that kind of notoriety bought you some more um you know people to work with and some uh it wasn't all bad right no it wasn't all bad hell no no it wasn't all bad <laughs> you know i'm still here you know what i'm saying like if it was that bad i'd be like hell no but yeah but no, it, you know it just you just got to move different and, and, and enjoy your success with your fam you know what i mean um so like what give us a what what year is this bag of money comes out in um 2012 2012 okay so 
so after that, like you're you're getting getting more notoriety and people are recognizing you. Um, you already built be billionaire by this point, right? Yeah. Okay. Yep. What's just out of curiosity? What's the what's the story behind the name? Man, what's so <laughs> funny is uh, I make music in my sleep, so I jump up and make a beat. Like I make all my beats damn near in my sleep, and I just jump up and make them. But um, this book time I was. I was like, yo, man, I got to come up with a name. So I had, one day I just went to sleep and I was dreaming. I'm like talking to myself, but I'm like, man, what do I want to name myself? And I just I was like, what do, what, what do you want out of this anyway? I was like, man, I want to be the first billionaire in production. Mm. Even though Dr. Dre beat me to it. But, uh, <laughs> but um, well, he did it with headphones, so I can't say production-wise. But, <laughs> but um. I was like, man, what I want, I want to be a billionaire. Like, and I was like, oh shit, beat billionaire. And I woke up and I called my homie Nard and B. I was like, yo, man, my name beat billionaire. They was like, oh shit, that sounds hard. <laughs> and that's when I was just running with it. As a growing artist or songwriter, keeping royalties coming in is important for keeping the bills paid. It's also important to keep an eye on those royalty payments. A lot of people we worked with here at Royalty Exchange were having a tough time making sense of the royalties they were getting paid. So we built a free tool called Know Your Worth that automatically analyzes every royalty payment made on your music. It breaks it all down in an easy to understand analysis with some insights that would be impossible to find elsewhere. Plus, it connects you with the thousands of investors on Royalty Exchange and allows them to make you offers on your music. So far, musicians have raised over a million dollars for new projects, new ventures, and a whole lot of other things just through the Know Your Worth app. If you're earning royalties, you should be keeping track of them, and Know Your Worth makes it easy. It only takes about three minutes to connect an account, and the tool will automatically update over time. Just visit worth.royaltyexchange.com or find the link in the show notes to get started. Now, let's get back to the interview. So, uh, do you, I mean, do you ever think that you'd go back to, to rapping at all or, or are you straight up, um, producing? And, uh, I mean, I know we got, you got some new stuff that you're working on now that we can get to in a second, but you know, a lot of people go from, they start as a producer or they start as a writer and then they kind of try to move into the artist route and uh, you kind of went, went the opposite direction. Is that, um, something you'd ever consider? No, it'd be so the funny part about it is Rock Nation got me, they, I just put out a single called Blue Cheese. Um, Rock Nation got me back rapping. They uh Oh yeah? Yeah. They um <laughs> they heard some demos I put in. It was like, Man, you tripping, bro. You need to put out your own single. So I put my own single out. And it's actually doing good. Yeah. It's a song called Blue Cheese and you should check it out. So something um we ask a lot of people on the show of like, you know, you, you kinda made it and for some people it's like there's a it's not necessarily like a a door opening or something like that that they found success, but it's more like a waterfall where it's just like one thing leads to another thing leads to another thing. Mm-hmm. Like if you could like pick out one, you know, time that, that, uh, you know, you, you'd kind of mark as your, your break, like that's, 
that's where it happened. Was it was it moving to Atlanta? Was it when Bag of Money drops? Um, what what would you say that was? Walking in the red carpet of the Grammys. Yeah, with, it, <laughs> with the nomination. What a nomination! Yeah, well, talk about that. I mean, that because that was a that was for a different song we haven't talked about yet. Yeah, man. Um, that was my. I feel like you know every song I did, even having number one, I just still felt like it wasn't my break. Like it wasn't my break. It wasn't my. You know what I mean? Hmm. Just having that, in you know, being solidified as a Grammy nominated producer is like, wow. Like I'm really here, you know. Yeah, I mean, I I would expect it to be something earlier where, but um, you know, that's because a Grammy, even a Grammy nomination is is such a it's it's such a accomplishment, and a lot of producers that are really really good don't even get that far. Exactly, there's some people that have been produced for years and never got one. Yeah, and even a nomination. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Gotcha. So, what's the story behind that song, Purple Lamborghini? Uh, Ross called me and was like, yo, be come to the studio, I need something. I need a stadium hit. I was like, all right, cool. Get to the studio. I, I went to first, I, I had this one beat, I was like, yeah, I'm going to wait. So I played him like two, three beats before that. He was like, ah, oh, yeah, they hard, they hard. I was like, all right, cool. And I know his, I know him. Like, I know him like the back of my hand. I was like, I know I'm about to shake his boots now. I pressed play. He looked at me and was like, boy. He just went in there and knocked that drone out. Uh, <laughs> matter of fact, E-Mix, E-Mix had me out with that, too. He had me out. I played it for E-Mix, too. E-Mix was like, yo, he, he was like, yo, he was like, yo, fat boy, this it. You know, we call him Ross fat boy. We like, yo, fat boy, this it. <laughs> so he looked at me and was like, yeah. Next thing you know, sent it off, man. And next thing you know, it was a single to the movie. I was like, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. Do you think working with, uh, you know, so closely with one artist or a couple, like a handful of artists, like kind of makes yourself or any producer kind of makes their work better? Yeah, make their work better and it kind of hurts them too at the same time. Like, you know what I mean? Like certain people when they don't want to take somebody's sound. Take someone's sound uh, in what way? Production-wise. You know, some, some people just, I don't know, sometimes they're, Sometimes it just like they think we just got one sound. Like me and Ross, they think we got one sound. But like if you listen to all the music, the beats don't sound the same. Yeah. Like people will be like, "Oh, beat." And we all know it's a beat, but how you know it's a beat? But ain't a beat just because it's aggressive. Bag of Money don't sound like Yellow Diamonds. Yellow Diamonds don't sound like John Doe. You know what I mean? Or all, all the other stuff. But like, yeah. But you know, people just they be like, "That's that raw sound. That's a raw sound." I'm like, "All right, cool." <laughs> yeah. Do you ever get caught up in that where you feel like all the stuff that you're you're putting out sounds the same or you you're kind of stuck in the same like you need to step back and find a new a new sound for yourself? Nah, it's so crazy. Like I said, don't nothing sound the same. It's just all aggressive. Yeah. But but um you know, people call me for that turn up. If they want a club hit, they're gonna call me. Because hmm. they know I'm gonna give them or I'm gonna I'm gonna give you some stadium music. Like you you wanna hit the you wanna hit them stages, have them people heads shaking left and right. That's when they call me. Yeah, is that a that, that kind of a nice nice to have that kind of brand so people know to go for you for a particular thing? Yeah, like Skrillex and them, you know, they know the billionaire gonna have that, that that stadium music. Yeah, hey, didn't didn't you collab with Skrillex on Purple Lamborghini? Yeah, he did. Um, 
he did like the hook part. I did like the actual beat. Okay. He what was that? What was that like working with kind of someone from a different, totally different genre? Man, it was it was he 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 made me feel comfortable. Yeah. Like, Scrub Nights made me feel comfortable. You know what I'm saying? He, him and his team, they just, you know, they 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 treated it with respect. You know what I mean? Hmm. Yeah, I got they treated, you. I ain't have no problems with them. Like they was they they good people. It's interesting because there's a lot of, I mean, you see a lot more crossover stuff like that today. Uh, I think people are artists and labels trying to get, you know, the crossover hit that's going to get everyone from, you know, the people of all just different backgrounds to listen to it. Cause that's where, you know, that's where stuff explodes. Um, exactly. it seems like, let's see if we're looking back at our timeline here, got the Grammy nomination 2016. What's been happening in the years since then? Um, we're rock nation now. With my, I'm with my favorite rapper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, that, um, just more, more placements, like bigger, bigger people outside of, you know what I mean, Maybach and, you know, it's like more people I'm working with. I'm leaning towards the R&B side a little bit more too. Everything's been going good. <laughs> yeah. It's always good to hear. Are you working on your own record label now? Yeah, I got my own label right now. It's called Billion Dollar Market. I got a couple artists I release a couple of records with. I got a artist now, Fela. He got a song called Ratchet that's actually doing good on like major platforms. Got an artist named Honcho Fifty Eight. They got a song with Rick Ross called Two Tone. That's doing good. I got an artist named Cooney One K. He got a project out right now called Convicted. That's doing okay. And uh, Destiny the Chef, she's an artist too. She got a single. I produced a single called Gimme. Uh, it's all right now that's on platforms. And I got, you know, I got other artists, Eastside Dizzle and all that and stuff like that. So, you know, Young Belt and all them. We just turning up right now. Yeah. What's that like going from being the producer that's um behind the scenes kinda and, and making things move this way and that way and sound this way and that way? Um, to being kind of the boss. Man, to be honest with you, people I'm around showed me so much. So it's, it's like easy. You know what I'm saying? It's easy to guide. You know, you know, people be hard here sometimes. They don't understand that you got to, it's, it's it's patience. You know what I mean? It's patience and, and it's timing. God, timing is the best timing on earth. So, um, you know, it just it's, 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 it's kind of easy about sitting around watching them do their thing, like the DJs and the, and the Rosses and the TIs and the Jason Jeters and the Gucci Poochies and the Tatas and all of them. Mm. And just watching them, the way they move. You know, it's, it's, it teaches you how to, you know what I mean? Like, throughout the years, teaches me how to treat my team. Yeah. Are you enjoying that, kind of managing and finding uh, new artists? Yeah, man. It's fun to me. I ain't going to lie. It's fun. And they get appreciated. Rock Nation, they, 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 they appreciate my, 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 my brand, my, my name. You know what I mean? Like, whatever I bring to the table, they, they know it's got to be something. Another question we kind of ask a lot of people on this show, you know, looking back now, knowing everything that you do and, and uh, having the experience, would you have done anything differently or would you have told your younger self, hey, you should really, you know, try to do this instead of doing that? Do you have any like, you know, self-advice that you'd give your, your a younger you? Uh, self-advice I would give a younger me would be... um. <sighs> Let me see. Um, yeah, I probably would have told myself not to get in the streets. You know, um, the things that the things that I preach to my little brothers. Yeah. Um, 
you know my like my my son teaching him you know things that I wouldn't do. Do you think so you I, could have I, avoided that when you were growing up? Nah, hell no. Nah. No. No, it was right outside. It was right, you know, it was, it was right there. Like you, 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 you live in an apartment complex that you never leave. It's like everything was brought to you. You had clothes, you had people selling video games, you had, you know, everything was there. Like it was like, your, it was his own world. So you just tapped in with things around you. You know what I mean? You got your family doing the shit, your mom selling, you know what I mean? Just, it was, it was all around you at all times. Hmm. Yeah. Y'all might y'all might hear me hit my vape, man. That's me vaping over here. <laughs> <laughs> when you were uh, you know, just getting started and, and uh either when you just got signed with uh with Maybach or you were with uh with TI and those guys, um, did you ever feel pressure to just kind of keep creating music or was it always just what you did? Was that just kinda always your your go to? It was always what I did, but I'm always pressured though. I'm always pressured by it. Is it a, is it your self pressure or is it stuff coming from the outside? Coming from the outside, even my friends, like my friends pressure me, like like Nard and B, Lil C, um, you know they Nard and B, they big time producers, Lil C, big time producer, he produced Shoulder Lane for Young Dro, Sunny Digital, then my then my brothers, like all of my brothers, Metro Boomin, all of them pressure me to do better. You know what I'm saying? Like they, uh, as I look at them, I look at myself, I'm like, yo, I gotta turn up, turn up, turn up. You know what I'm saying? That's what it is, and you know I'm always pressured by it. It's not even pressure; it's just like a friendly, friendly pressure. Like you know what I mean? Like I gotta, cause they all, you know, they always say, "Man, we look up to you." I'm sure I've been like, "Nah, I look up to y'all." Like you know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah, you're bouncing <laughs> off each other. Yeah. Yeah. So what, like, what was it? What was it all about for you? Was it? I mean, were you motivated by the money? Were you motivated by uh, like the fame or kind of all of the above? I was motivated by. Looking at my kids, my family, bro, just going. You know what I mean, mom? I mean, I got it. That, that's the that's the motivation I get. Like I just, like I just, like, I just want to make sure they don't worry about nothing. Mom, I want to make sure my mom's straight, dad straight. You know what I mean? You got any new stuff coming out with Maybach in uh, the next couple of years? Yeah, yeah. We um we're working on Self Made Four. Uh, right now I got the um, Act of Food that's on Ross' new album. Um. Was in uh, Port of Miami too, and um, working on a bunch of stuff over there. We just working trying to put together self made four now. Yeah, are you still producing uh, pretty much every day? Yeah, I, I can't. Some days I I I stop for a month. I stop making beats for a month. Like I just for the one month I just don't do beats, and I go in the next month and just do like about a hundred beats. Does that help you get back, kind of, uh, like any kind of creative energy that you were you were burning out? Yeah, because I stopped that month. I'd be studying. I study music. You know what I mean? Hmm. I just study music. Take my take my break. Study music. Then I go back in. Are you more into that now? Because you said, I mean, earlier it's like and a lot of guys uh, do this where they don't know, you know, any music notation or um, structure. But now, do you kind of you study that stuff and and try to learn uh kind of different patterns and um things like that i mean i do but it's better when i just let god just take the wheel huh because it's like i'm sitting there thinking too much but when i'm just like going in like just go you know what i mean it's like you, you take the wheel i let him take the wheel but when i'm thinking too much it just be like i gotta stop yeah 
I got you. Um, when you were kind of either coming up or, or now even, um, do you use like the internet at all to market yourself? Because um, we hear a lot of stories of people that are like, you know, find a creative way to um, like email someone as if they had already known them and met them in person, but they'd really never met them. Like, hey, we met the other week and, uh, you know, here are the beats that you asked for. Uh, and like in reality, they never did it. But uh, do you ever use the internet to kind of like, you know, help market yourself and, and grow yourself that way? I mean, I use the internet. I mean, the internet is key right now. Like, shit, you can be a star tomorrow. Um, <laughs> but uh, when I was coming up, man, it won't. It won't no internet. It was, it was, who knew who, who knew what, hmm. who stood beside who. You had to know somebody, know somebody, know somebody. See, right now everybody got advantage over the internet. Like you can, I can hit up, I can hit anybody in the DM and just wait for that chance for them to reply back. <laughs> Yeah. You can hit Drake right now in the DM. You, you, you might reply back. You just don't know. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I got you. <laughs> but back then, it was it was more about the personal connection. Yeah, you had, to, you had to have phone numbers. You had to have, you know what I mean? You had to have a bunch of stuff. Yeah. Were you good at, at getting that stuff? Yeah, I was, yeah. Just by, by being who I was around. Yeah. You know, I met Drake early on when, when he first started. I met, um, you know, just people being around T.I., you know what I'm saying? They, they, was, they was the top dogs at one point, and I was always around. Yeah. Do you think uh, a lot of your success is, um, is because you're just, you were in the right place at the right time? Uh, yeah, so- it, was more, it, was, it was more of that, and then being myself. Like, I wasn't trying to be nobody else. Like, yeah. I was just being myself. You know, when you try to be somebody else in this shit, man, nobody, they, people can see through that. You see that happening a lot? Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's pretty easy to, to spot a, a, how shallow a puddle is, I guess. Um, exactly. What, uh, I mean, what do you, what do you kind of see in the, the future of music in the next couple of years? I mean, we, got, we have streaming. Obviously, everyone's watching it and how it's changing the industry and changing music. You know, you got um, artists putting out songs that are like a minute long. Um, and, uh, you know, do you see, see music kind of evolving to fit this kind of new format at all? And do you changing your, your ways? Yeah, of course, man. Nobody want to, my, my frames of kids now is probably like two minutes. They, they attention span is like two minutes. So, you know, streaming is, I don't, I don't think nothing's going to be streaming right now. Like, look at us now. We doing, I'm sitting, sitting on my couch doing an interview. And back in, back then, we had to go straight to you to do the interview. You know what I mean? You had to come to us. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're not buying a plane ticket. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? Like now it's just like, yo, we can just call them. Shit, hell, we can call them on the phone. Do it. You know, it's, you know, we can just hit them on the computer. Like, it's crazy. Yeah. So, does, I mean, do you think music changes? Because it's been, music's been the same since, you know, recorded music came out and the length was three minutes and songs are still basically three minutes long. Um, I mean, do you see it changing because the attention span's getting shorter and you have to like change your, your style because of that? Yep. Yep. Shit. <laughs> People using two sounds in the beats now, man. Back, back when, 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 when it was, you had to have four or five brass stacked on one, six strings stacked on each other, seven, eight kicks stacked on each other, four or five snares, you know what I mean? Just to get that pop. Yeah. Like, now it's just, man, just give me a damn... It's a loop sample and 
putting some drums around it. That's the, the shit number one. <laughs> yeah. And and let's make the song about a minute and forty five seconds. <laughs> yeah. And you think it's just because it's coming out so fast, producers have to make it as simple as possible, yeah, as quickly as the, possible. Yeah, because the voice of the artist now, though, the artist is the instrument too. Now, you know what I mean? They're the instrument. Everybody yeah. using, I mean, they using melodic sounds and it's and the melodies over top of you know what I mean. The melodies or what they doing is just like they're they're instrument too on top of what we doing. Yeah, like you'll sample a, sample a voice and cut it up and make it sound like something that's not even a human voice. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, that stuff's crazy. Uh, I I certainly don't have the the creative ability to to do any of that, so it's always uh yeah. always amazing <laughs> to see that. Um, there's a great great web series where uh, I can't remember who does it. Maybe it's Genius or someone, but they get a producer to go through a record store and blindly select three albums, and then create a beat sampling the, from those three albums and. and uh, pretty pretty you know crazy to see what people can do with that just uh you know some like an opera album they can turn into a a banger um (laughs) off the rip um well that's pretty cool man i mean it's it's uh do you have anything else like in the future that you want to talk about coming up um that you got in the in the pipeline or any of your thoughts i got my you know like i said i got my label i have my own album coming out the album's called i took the stairs like it was a hard road to get here, you know yeah. what I mean? Like took the stairs, so I got my album coming out and um What when's that coming out? Um I actually was gonna put it out last month, but I'm like I'm, I'm gonna wait. We trying to fix out the Rock Nation trying to help me fix out the timing of it. You know what I mean? Because uh, 'cause I'm actually warming people up back to me being an artist. But that shouldn't be hard the way music is now. The shit. The single that I drop is picking up now, so it shouldn't be too hard. But we trying to figure out the actual good timing. Is that frustrating to to kind of have to wait? Yeah, it. Excuse me. It is. It is. It, it's it's hard. You know what I'm saying? It's like cause you you're your own boss, and you're like, man, I put this shit out tomorrow. Y'all keep playing. <laughs> y'all be y'all be. You know what I mean? Y'all be coming trying to ride the wave then, cause it's going. It just I know it's gonna go. I told y'all. You know what I mean? But I just I waiting. I'm waiting. Being an artist, I'm being an artist right now. So, I mean, you you you've got a lot of shoes that you're filling right now. You got a you're producing still. You got your you're basically the CEO of your record label, right? And now you got an artist. So, um, is that is that the the kind of the takeover for you? You trying to do everything? Yep. <laughs> yep. I'm trying to. That's why I call it being on the market. It's, it's everything. Everything's worth a billion dollars. I do every idea I have is a billion dollars. I mean, that's why I named myself Deep Billionaire. I always wanted to be a billionaire. Yeah. Like, I just want everything to be about a billion dollars. Like, this my this my empire. Like, it's not just music. It's videographers. It's graphic artists. It's, it's clothing companies. All that. Like, I'm trying to take over everything. Yeah. Yeah. I read somewhere with uh with your with your label Billion Dollar Market. Um, were you trying to kind of get some of the uh the rappers that you're finding in richmond and uh you know make something out of them because i know yeah, that's kind of kind of underserved like you said earlier it's like you know you have one or two people that make it out of richmond but everyone else is stuck yeah and it's like you trying to you trying to give back you're trying to give back and um and um shed light on a dark city man it's dark so i'm just trying my best to shed the light and snatch up the best talent that's that's out there 
and, and give them light. You know what I mean? I'm trying to, I'm trying to be my own Def Jam in Richmond. Yeah. My own Atlantic Records in Richmond. My own Epic or Interscope in Richmond. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. We don't have that. Yeah. And someone found you and, and you know, recognized yeah. your talent, so you're trying to do the same? Do the same, yeah, because some people, you know, some people would be like, oh, man, he ain't come back. He ain't come back. It, the timing wasn't right. I couldn't do nothing back then. I couldn't do nothing a few years ago. I didn't know what I was doing. Now I know what I'm doing. I'm, I feel like I'm to the point where I know what I'm doing. So I'm about to turn y'all up, turn the city up, turn turn this over, and, to, and turn it into some make stars, man, because it's, it's a bunch of stars, but it's like we don't got nobody. We don't have no outlet. Like, by the time you – it be stars that damn near – because we don't have nobody. By the time we do have somebody, they ass be like 40, 50 years old. You know what I'm saying? Like, they was hot back then when we was growing up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'm trying to change that. I'm trying to change that. That's the story behind hits like Purple Lamborghini and Bag of Money from Beat Billionaire. You can follow him on Instagram and Twitter, found in the show notes. And be sure to drop back in next week when we have a brand new guest on the show. Thanks for listening and take care.